Mushroom, you think you're looking good today? You think you're looking good? Oh, yeah. Dead. <laughs> I love doing this. So whenever I go hiking, if I'm under some pine tree, I'm like looking for mushrooms and like, or an oak tree. If I find an oak tree, usually there's some mushrooms there because of all the weird funguses and stuff. And mushrooms are super popular these days. You're supposed to eat them, at least the healthy ones, not those psychedelic ones. Christians don't do that. Um, but I love kicking mushrooms. I don't know why. It brings me joy. I, ha- I take pleasure in, in kicking a mushroom. There's this, it's satisfying. It's like the MD, what do you call it? MDMR? What is that? What's that stuff that people watch? That, because ASMR. It's like ASMR for me, kicking a mushroom. Feels so good. And when I'm extra sadistic, when I really want to feel good about myself, whenever I want to feel power, and if I'm lucky, there's a big patch of mushrooms in my backyard. Do you want to know what feels really good? Is you get the weed whacker out and you just whack them to pieces. It's so satisfying. It's so enjoyable to shred those things. It brings me fulfillment. Do you know who else likes to shred stuff like that? who likes to kick down mushrooms and bring out the weed whacker and just full on mow them down? The devil. The devil loves doing this. It brings him so much joy and sadistic pleasure to mow down God's people. He loves us to weed whack us. He loves it. You know what? He can see us. He can spot us a mile away. Do you know that? If you're not rooted, if you're not deep, if, you, if you're one of these Christians that have just spouted up and, you know, you just bloom all of a sudden and you're, you think that you're awesome, you know what? The, the devil can spot you a mile away and he loves to shred you. It's so easy for him to do. It doesn't take any effort. It takes no effort at all for him to walk up to an immature, ungrounded Christian and just to kick them over, and he just laughs about it. Do you know what the devil cannot do? He cannot kick over an oak of righteousness. He cannot take his weed whacker out and begin to get into the deep roots of an ancient pine. He can't even poison us. Poison works on mushrooms too, but it's just not as fun. (laughs) The devil can't even poison an oak of righteousness. Lightning strikes can't even take them down. Why? It's because their roots grow deep. It's because those that walk with the Lord and that have been walking with the Lord consistently for a very long time they, they cannot be shaken. They, cannot, they can be struck with lightning, but they will not burn. Amen. And we're, this is the last uh, sermon on the series that we're doing on lead. And the topic is longevity. Longevity. Months ago, when we started going through this book as a discipleship uh, encouragement for our pastoral staff, uh, each and every time we go over a chapter, we would do a little bit of a review and like, how are we doing in this area? How are we doing in this area? How are we doing in this area? Um, some areas, frankly, we just needed some help on. We needed to focus, you know, a little bit more, maybe on transparency or uh, specifically candor. You know, there's certain areas that we needed some help with. But this area of longevity, we all just like, hey, uh, we're, we're actually doing pretty good here. We're, we're doing really well in the area of longevity. And now, of course, we can always improve. That's the, you know, we're not like saying, oh, you're just awesome. This is an awesome staff, awesome church, awesome. I mean, there's always, there's always room for improvement. You can at least improve 1%, right? Like, let, maybe we can make that a goal this week. You can get 1% better. You can become 1% uh, spiritually mature. Your roots can grow deeper by 1% this week. And this is, this is going to begin now. So longevity is, it's not um, the spiritual gift of being too stubborn to quit. (laughs) Longevity 
is faithfulness, consistency, adaptability, and resilience when things get hard. Longevity is a sign, and Mr. Tripp would argue, the most powerful sign of spiritual maturity and the fruit of the Spirit. Longevity is a sign of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, your ability to quote Scripture off the top of your head, that's not in the Bible as one of the fruits of the Spirit. Your ability to, um, you know, get a seminary degree and know all knowable facts about theology and the Word of God, that also is not a fruit of the Spirit. Your ability to be a good boy and a good girl is also not a fruit of the Spirit. And if you know, you know those instant Christians that just pop up out of the ground immediately and the, now they're on fire and, and, and two years later they burn out and they're done, like, you ready? like, like as, as believers, we're, we're called to be passionate for the Lord. But passion is also not a fruit of the Spirit. You know what is? Longevity. Sticking it out. Not being a, a moth drawn to the flame, not, not, uh, not having a flame that, that burns out too quickly. It is a long-lasting flame that the Lord requires. If you get your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 61, 1-3, you know this well. If you've been around this church, you know this well. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Amen? Amen. Poor in all categories, by the way. Uh, financially poor, emotionally bankrupt, and spiritually desperate. Those are the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. Should I say that one again? And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called, what? Oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. For the display of his splendor. I love a good oak. I like a nice oak dining room table, too. <laughs> Specifically one that's around, you know, 18th century. I like a nice oak chest. I got one of those that's older than our nation. Um, but what's better is an oak of righteousness that has not been hewn down. And this is, a, this is a bit of a crisis in the American church because a lot of the American church does not have roots that go deep. And even some of our foundational trees are now in desperate decline and failure. Uh, a little bit of the statistics. Pre-pandemic, the average tenure of a senior pastor was around eight years. So senior pastors before the pandemic lasted eight years. Now it's down to two. 
the average tenure of a worship pastor is one to two years, if they're lucky. The average youth pastor last pre-pandemic a little over a year and a half. Now the average youth pastor lasts less than a year. These are all stats from Barna. You can Google it. They're, they're kind of disturbing. The numbers of younger pastors uh, who quit is... Is, is dramatic. It is almost like at 60%. Um, I've got a little bit more stats for you I want to read. They're kind of important. These are the most recent um, ideas of what's going on in church life. Uh, In-person church attendance is definitely down across the board uh, by the Pew Research. Uh, 57% are not attending church anymore in America, the ones that used to. Uh, if churches are lucky, their, um, their giving has remained flat over the past five years. Most churches have gone down in their giving significantly. But if they're lucky, the best, their giving has stayed flat for the fi past five years. Uh, for all of you economic nerds out there, what's the inflation rate right now? It's seven, yeah, seven to seven to nine percent. So you can do the math. Smaller churches uh, under two hundred. So I guess we might be considered a smaller church. Their turnover rate and staffing is forty-eight percent. They're either quitting or being fired. Moving on to better pastors, 48% turnover for a church staffing. Uh, all major giving to churches is coming from groups of people that have no debt. That, that's interesting, isn't it? So people that are debt-free are pretty much the only ones that are floating the church these days. Confidence, and this isn't just applied to churches, but confidence in major U.S. institutions has dropped significantly. Uh, politics, that one might be understandable. So government, people don't trust their government anymore. They don't trust their uh, educational institutions anymore. They don't trust their hospitals anymore. And they don't trust their churches anymore. Thirty-one percent, and the Gallup poll have reported that they have a great deal, uh, and have lost a lot of confidence in church and the organization of religion. Trust in the American pastor has decreased significantly. When it comes to religious workers, only thirty-nine percent of American-rate uh, clergy is having a high uh, honesty or ethical standards. Okay, so 40% of Americans don't trust pastors. On the other hand, nurses are rated at 90%, medical doctors at 77%, and grade school teachers at 75%. Interesting, huh? Yeah, uh, younger pastors are burning out faster than 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 recently they did, in, you know, and before the before COVID. So, uh, forty percent of young pastors uh, burn out within the first couple of years, under forty-five. Millennials are the most likely to be doing online church. But, um, and I'm going to attest to this, I know, I know we have a few faithful people that are still doing church online, and we love you, and so don't take this the wrong way. Um, but most people that are doing church online 
they're not doing church online. Not anymore. You know, they're, they might be uh, doing the dishes while they're listening to the sermon. They might be, um, uh, you know, hitting pause or whatever. They might just have it on, but the, the numbers are just, they're just true. That people are not, people that say that they're doing church online, they're just not doing church online. I, I, I know, again, I know that there's a few of you that are watching, so thank you. And it's, it's not you, it's them. Um, <laughs> But, but, we, it, but we know it to be true because we can see, we can see the, the online uh, data. We can get the, the analytics. So we know uh, how long they watch. They watch for about a minute, and then I've already bored them to death, and they've, they're, they're, they're watching something else on YouTube. So we just know it. We, just know, that we know that they're clicking off. We know that they're scrolling down. We've, we've lost their attention. And so, like, like what in the world's going on? Uh, why is, I mean... Some, you know, fear mongers are saying the church is in full-blown crisis. It kind of feels like it sometimes. Some of it has to do with our consumer culture. We are a lot of, we have trained our, 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 our flock, our sheep, we have trained them to be consumer Christians. We've trained them that they, when you come to church, you are to be what? Fed. And that, that's partially true. I mean, you guys need to be fed. You need to come to church to worship God and to have the Holy Spirit fill you up so that you can do Monday. If you don't do Sunday, you will not do Monday well. And so, yeah, you need, to do, you need to come and you need to receive and you need to be filled. But what worship is not, worship is not an entertainment session for you. Uh, the band is not here to entertain you. You are here to entertain the Lord. Yeah? He takes pleasure in your worship. We're here to entertain him with our, with our songs and our singing. We're here to entertain him with, with raising up holy hands. This is actually one of the things that men are required to do. Yet most men don't do this. And for the record, I don't like doing this. I don't, it doesn't feel natural for me to do this. I do this because the Bible tells me that the men ought to lift up holy hands. And so uh, I don't do it because I feel like it. I do it because I'm obedient. Um, by the way, man, power comes when you raise your hands and you worship God. So there's that consumer Christianity that I believe has undermined um, the discipleship process that takes place in the church to making us become more like Jesus. We come in to a church atmosphere with a self-help mentality, like what am I going to get out of this? How am I going to grow up? You know, how am I going to become a you know a better person? Or you know, how is this going to benefit my family? Like those are all really good things. But you also have to come in with the mindset: is how do I add to this community? Because if you don't have a communal mindset, if you don't understand the meaning of our name, Granite Creek, what's the next one? Community Church. If you don't understand the concept of community, then everything will go sideways and you will be one of those individuals that does not trust the church and does not trust the church's leadership. Because why? Because you're in it all for yourself and you're not in it to be a part of the body of Christ. And so I know it's hard because um, I'm a selfish person at times. I want to make sure that I'm getting my money's worth. As an only child for 18 years, I also don't know how to share. It, when I read the book, All Mine Bunny, All Mine Bunny, I, I thought that was written for me. Yeah, it's all mine. It is all mine. It is, and so I, have a, I, have a, I understand. I understand the selfish desires of, of like, well, what's it about me? And selfishness isn't just like wanting material things. Selfishness uh, is the dysfunction of turning from self-reflection to self-idolization. Like, we need to have a healthy look at ourselves. We need some healthy self-reflection. But introspection is downright evil and deadly. Introspection will say, you don't need to, you don't need to do the hard work. You don't, you don't need to, to let your roots grow deep. You just need to be a big, giant, blooming mushroom. 
That's what introspection says. Because introspection just wants you to look good in the presence of others. So let's be reflective and not introspective. If you're reflective, you will see yourself in the mirror. You will see all your flaws. But if you're being reflective in a good way, not only will you see yourself, you're going to see your family behind you. Not only are you going to see your family behind you, you'll see the body of Christ behind you as well. You will understand that in the mirror, you are a part of a bigger thing called the community of Jesus Christ, the family of God. And that, I think, is why there is a bit of a crisis in the church. You want to hear some good news? You want to... You want to be proud of church? You want to be, this is, I am biased. Let's be proud of this church. Let's be proud of this church. Okay, so now the average pastor lasts uh, uh, pre-pandemic five to eight years, and now it's like three, two to three years. Um, I have been in formal ministry for 23 years. My, come March, my wife and I will have been leading, leading Granite Creek for the past 10 years. We'll get there. Uh, Sarah Frias, our, our kids pastor, she's been on staff for two years. Mandy Van Helsbeck, our uh, youth pastor, she has been on staff for eight years. Do you, do you remember the stat I gave you? Do you remember the stat I gave you? How long do youth pastors last? Less than a year these days. Pre-pandemic, it was less than two years. The average worship, worship pastor lasts now about a year, a little over a year as the average worship pastor. Pre-pandemic, it was two to three years. Pastor Larry McGarity has been leading worship in this church for 46 years. The good, the good pastors, um, the ones that retire, they re- retire about after 10 to 15 years. And then, um, you know, then they join some resort and golf the rest of their lives. <laughs> Pastor Larry Kapchinski, my father, has been doing ministry formally and is still doing ministry formally since 1965. Wow. 55 years. Pastor Mark Noyes, he doesn't even get paid. And he's been in formal ministry for three years. And so, you know, when I said our church has a really good report card on longevity, I mean it, and we can, we can prove it. Let's see, did I miss anybody? Oh, Janie. Oh, Jones. Dang it, where's Jones at? I meant to ask him. I think Jones has been here 15 years on staff. Yeah. Our associate pastor of family of ministry has been here, for, has been serving as a pastor for 15 years. And then Pastor Janie has been serving in formal ministry for 43 years. I can't do math. I probably should have added up the com- combined years of ministry. I should probably do that someday. But, like, that's over, like, 100, right? Is that... <laughs> So, well, just, uh, just my dad and Larry McGarry together is over 100 years right there. It is the best sign of the fruit of the Spirit. It's the best sign that the gospel is rooted and that there's a healthy gospel community. If there's not a healthy gospel community, then dysfunction seeps in. Dysfunction seeps in. And, and it will get the best of them. Uh, obviously, I love this place. I love the building. I love the architecture in the building. I love the facilities inside and out. 
Bathrooms need a little bit of work right now. But besides that, I love absolutely everything about it. And when we were digging through the containers to pull out all the fun and fall into fun stuff, the scarecrows and the games and those fake pumpkins and, you know, we were pulling it out, I found an envelope that said pictures, church pictures, and I opened it up and I found photos of this place from 1998 when we first merged. It looks completely different. And it is the... So one of the, the first events that... Pastor Larry McGarity and Pastor Larry Kapczynski did when they, when they took this place over is that they talked some people into renting bouncers and having a barbecue. They rented a big giant tent and they opened the place up to the community. Um, that's what Oaks of Righteousness do. They plant acorns. They plant acorns that grow deep. And sometimes acorns can be a Bible study. Uh, sometimes acorns can be an outreach. Sometimes acorns can be a missions drive. Uh, sometimes acorns are just giving beyond your tithe and your offering. Acorns are planted in roots. And here's the, here's the truth about when you plant. You might not reap what you plant. Remember what I said about Americans being selfish and self-centered? Like we plant and we invest in order for us to reap the benefits. But oaks of righteousness plant and invest so generations can benefit and reap the benefits. That's what a healthy community does. And so it was just, it was just fascinating to see, you know, the beginnings of of planting of seed taken root by some bouncers in the late 90s. And I was just like, when we were blowing up the bouncers for falling to fun, I'm like, wow. We now have like six of these things that we rented that are blessing the community. It's pretty cool. And what was shocking was just to see the overall transformation of the physical building. Like, You, you want to know what gets me going? You want to know why um, I've been doing this for 23 years of my life? You want to know why? I like transformation. I, like to, I love to see, you know, that whole area, which is all filled. Which it's now all developed. Okay, we've got one little sliver of land that we could probably mess around with. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Let me just, yeah, everybody's like, pump your brakes, Josh. Let's not go into another project. Woo! Um, but to see the whole, okay, that, we, that we, we took what God has given us, and we risked, and, and we planted. And because of risk and because of planting, there was physical transformation of a piece of property. I love that. I can see it. But you want to know what has kept me going for 23 years? It's not just the transformation of the, of the facilities. It's the transformation of souls. That's why I'm in this game. That's why a lot of pastors burn out before their time. It's because they don't understand the value or they don't, they don't get the passion of seeing a person transform, not in an instant, but over time. I've seen people transform instantly, right? Like they're mushrooms. And then, bam, the devil kicks them. Like that sucks. But then you watch somebody that it says, okay, I'm going to delve into the word of God. I'm going to allow my roots to reach that living water. And then their twigs begin to take on strength. Like long-term transformation is what gets me going. To see generational curses broken off of entire families, that gets me going. To see... A family completely restored, repent of their ways and turn towards God. And to see a, a family line completely transformed, that's what gets me going. To see somebody get baptized and really mean it. Some people I've had to hold down a little longer. <laughs> All right, some people are like, yeah, man, you need to come back next year. Um, 
That one didn't take. Transformation of an individual. You know what that really is? It's the moment when somebody, when a lost soul, how do I say this sensitively? Doug doesn't care what I say. I can't say it. I'm going to get in trouble. Okay, it's that moment when you, when you take your head out of dark places and you put it into heavenly places. When you get your mind out of the dark and you literally poke your head into heaven. This is what, this is what Ezekiel did. Ezekiel literally pushed his head into heaven. Like he knew that God is, he knew God was real, he knew God is listening, he knew God answers prayers. He knows that uh, it is God's will and his intention that he lives a, a healthy life and that he's blessed and prosperous. And that's all great and fine. But very few people in this world literally poke their head into heaven. That's what gets me going, is there's a little bit of heaven on earth. When somebody finally comes to the realization, the revelation that there's more to their existence than this present evil age. There is more to life than your old broken down body. There is more to spirituality than a self-help book. We are spiritual beings. I know you've got a physical body. I know it might be feel like it's wearing down and timing out. But that's okay. Did you know that you can still be transformed? I think one of the reasons why our staff has such an incredible uh, run on longevity is because we've never given up on the idea of personal transformation, no matter how old we are. I cannot lead you well. I cannot have or wish for transformation in your personal life if I am not being transformed myself. I have never, I'm not even close to obtaining what God has in mind for me. Like, I don't know. I, I think I'm all spiritually mature. I think I've got roots that grow deep. But they can grow deeper. My branches can become stronger. My bark can get thicker. That's another thing. It's like these young guys don't have a thick skin. That's true. Amen. They and gals, I should say. They just don't have a thick skin. They get criticized, and they, they're just like, oh, the question they're calling. And... Man, if I had a dollar for every time some church person criticized me, geez, <laughs> wouldn't have to take up an offering. Second Corinthians chapter four. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. It's called repentance. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. Uh, Mushroom churches distort the word of God so that they will entertain itching ears. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled for those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. All right, Um, side note. People that are in the world that do not know the Lord, the God of this world has blinded their eyes. The God of this world... Satan, the mushroom kicker, the weed whacker, 
He's blinded their eyes, and they don't even know that they're lost. It's kind of how do you save a person that doesn't even realize that they're lost? They're in a, they're in a prison, they don't even know it. They're, they're slaves, and they've gotten comfortable to, with their chains. They're in a prison of their own making, and it's, it feels good. So the gospel... That message that Jesus died for their sins is a hard one for them to get because the God of this age has told them that there is no sin. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. He's the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves. Ah, dang it, I thought this was all about me. Um, but Jesus Christ is Lord. And ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. I thought this was serving me. Dang it. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, he made his light to shine where? In our hearts, to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. We sang a song about that earlier, about seeing God, seeing the face of Jesus. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that we are all, that this is all surpassing power is from God and not from us. All right, what does that mean? Okay, so we have this power. Our hearts are jars of clay. Your heart, which is the hardest thing for me to explain to anyone let alone myself, it is the most complex part about who we are. Our heart holds our spirits, and our spirits need to be dancing with the Holy Spirit. And it is inside jars of clay, and that's what you're responsible for. You're responsible for this jar of clay, which is very, it's very delicate, it's very sensitive, it can be shattered. And so you need to make sure that you maintain your, your, your heart. You need to protect this heart of clay. The, the, the scriptures say that it, uh, you need to guard your heart above all else. If you're not guarding your heart, if you're not guarding the, the spiritual relationship inside of you, then you're going to be lost. Even though on the outside you might have your act together, on the inside you, you're, you're lost. What's inside of you, if you know Jesus, is a treasure. We are hard-pressed on every side. Does it feel like that? But not crushed. Perplexed. How many people are perplexed? <laughs> um, did you put gas in your car this week? Weren't you a little perplexed? We all need to probably monitor how much news we watch, but if you turn on the news, are you a little perplexed? Like understanding where, where your future is going, what plans you, you and your family have, are you perplexed about where to, take, where to go next? Perplexed, but not in despair. All right, so you can be confused. You can be wondering. You can even question God. You can... Uh, it's clear in the scriptures. Clearly, you can whine at God all day long. Just read the Psalms. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've got, you've got place for that. But what you don't have place for, and I know a lot of us deal with this, is, is despair. Like, oh, let me, let me preface by saying this. If you're chemically imbalanced, please take your medication. Amen? Amen? I take medication. At one time, I had to take happy pills. I don't anymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, no, it was a real thing. 
actually pops up about once a year. It's beyond me. There's like a, there's a chemical thing that goes inside of me. He's like, oh, there it is again. And then, um, you know, I run around the block a few times. I think some happy thoughts. I pray a lot. I get rid of that worry, and I start to praise, and it goes away. I'm not saying that's you. That was me. I'm not saying that's you. I'm saying that's me. Some people, you need your meds. I still have to take stupid cholesterol medication. Still believing God's going to heal me. By the way, again of that one. Like he, like he literally healed me once of, of this like super crazy high triglycerides tri- cholesterol stuff. I mean, it was weird. Like instant healing. I'm like, yeah! And I started eating burgers and drinking beer again. <laughs> God healed me! Let's party time! Let's do it again! <laughs> um, and I remember every time, every time there is a, there's a prayer call, I want you to know this about my walk. Every time that there's a prayer call or word of knowledge or like if somebody, you know, if somebody says, I think we need prayer, somebody needs prayer for this situation, I don't care who gives the word, if it's a 12-year-old or a 90-year-old, if it applies to me, I go up in prayer. Because it's an act of obedience. And I know it makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. I feel comfortable too. What do you, I don't know. Let's be adults. Um. I remember like the second time I came up because my lifestyle was not matching my belief style because I wasn't treating my body like a temple of the Holy Spirit. I was treating my body as an amusement park. (laughs) And I came forward for prayer very clear. You know, Josh, what do you need to pray for? Prayer for? I'm like, oh, my, 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 my blood's all off. And uh, would you just pray that God will heal, my, heal me? And it wasn't the person speaking. It was the Lord speaking. He's like, yeah, you didn't steward the, the first miracle very well. You didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't steward that one very well. So why would I give you another one if you couldn't take care of the first one? That's rough, isn't it? That's, like, that's, that's something like a, a loving father would say, huh? Tough lessons sometimes. Perplexed, but not in despair. God does not want you to be a depressed Christian. Persecuted. All right, it ain't that bad right now, folks. I mean, our church got egged a few days, a few weeks ago. You know, it might have been because I came out in support of Israel, because that week we got five eggs over there, and if you, I haven't cleaned it up yet, I'm a bad, right? But if you go out the, the, the sanctuary window, you'll see an egg mark there, yeah. That's low-grade persecution, that's nothing. That's fun stuff. If I had some eggs, I'd throw it back at them. I mean, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. <laughs> but we have, we have brothers and sisters in other parts of the world where this type of message will get them killed. And if you've ever felt like you've been abandoned because you've been maybe vocal and bold about your faith, like, you know, you shared a scripture at work, and the guy that you thought was a Christian, like, he turned around and walked the other way. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm abandoned, I'm persecuted. That's nothing. If you're alone and if you're sharing the word of God, if you're sharing the gospel, and um, what, what, did it, what does this say? Persecuted but not abandoned. You might feel like you're alone, but you're not. Struck down, but not destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's okay to be struck down? You know, you know that it's okay to, to stumble? Um, all right, it's not okay to fall into sin, but everybody does it. So you can be struck down even by your own doing, but, you, but if you're with God, you'll never be destroyed. He's got a restoration process for you. He can restore you back to where you once were. That is, I didn't write that one. I mean, if I would have wrote it, I would be like, yeah, once you blow it, you're done, man. (laughs) That would be my rules. But that's not God's rules. He's in the restoration process to restore you back to where you once were and then some. 
We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we are alive, always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life may also be revealed in our mortal body. I love that personally. So then, death is at work in us, okay? Remember when I said, like, you're getting old? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious as, as we have, some, we have a, a beautiful little baby in there, and I tried to get it, I tried to hold it, but she wouldn't let me hold it because I've got germs. But babies are growing. They're living, right? I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to steal babies. I just, I can't wait to dedicate it. She's fostering. Yeah. So maybe we'll get to, see, they're all about reunification. So they want to, re, you know, they want to get this baby back to her mother. But maybe, maybe the baby will be, be ours instead. All right, the cold hard truth is, is that death is at work in us. You know, babies are growing, they're living, and maybe it's around, I don't know, 30. Like you're, you're living until you're about 30, then once you hit like 32, 35, definitely 40, then you begin to die. Then your body begins to wind down. It begins to slow down. Things start aching that you didn't think were an ache before. You start losing your memory. I know I said we shouldn't uh, be, dis- you know, we shouldn't fall into depression, but man, that's kind of a depressing thought. Like after, after 40, I'm starting to die. All right, here's what the Word of God says. Even though death is at work in us, But life is at work in you. No matter how old you are, no matter how broken you feel, physically, emotionally, spiritually, the believer has God at work in them. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. And since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe, therefore, and speak. Because we know that the one who has raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us, Jesus, and present us uh, with you to himself. It's power in the blood. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Okay, did you guys catch that? Because remember when we started this, this, this passage, so that the God of this age has, has blinded men and women where they don't even understand? Do you know what is the counter to being blind? It's the goodness of God. It is the grace of God. It is the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So you might have somebody in your life that's completely blind to their own sin, like they're, they're messing up everything and they just don't care. They're living for themselves and they're not living for anyone else. They're on a highway to hell and they don't care. And, but you do, right? You have loved ones that maybe are going to that other place and you care, you love them. They're your friends, they're your family, they're your neighbors, they're your co-workers, and you want to see them saved. You want to see them come to uh, repentance in Jesus Christ. This is what you do. You tell them. You just get right in their face. Make sure you bring your Bible. You get right in their face, and you tell them. You tell them firmly. If you do not repent, you're going to go to hell because you're a sinner. So, a little bit of pressure goes a long way. Another thing that you can do that's been very helpful for me in leading people to the Lord is that you do this. It says, Jesus, he sees all of your secret sins. And he knows what type of a pervert you really are. That one works every time. <laughs> 
Like they just want to sign up. They want to come to church. So I've learned over the years that guilt, shame, and pressure tactics work well in leading people to God. Thank you. This is my sarcasm. This is why this is called hyperbole. All right. What does the word of God say if you want to lead somebody to the Lord? It is the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. It's the grace of God. And they need to see it manifest in us. Um, Unbelievers will know that they're in a good place. They'll know that they're in a good church when that gospel-centered church is showing grace and mercy to one another. And so we do this. I think we do this well, too. If we're gracious towards one another, if we're loving and caring to one another, if our, if our love is being expressed to our families and those that we're doing ministry with, well, then that's a kindness. Like you have to be kind to the people that you sit in church with. It's actually a requirement. When they see that kindness, it's going to, be attra- it's going to break that blindness. Kindness will break blindness. I just made that up. I should go on, I quote that one. Copyright that. It's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's this grace thing. Because, you know, he, he wants everybody to be saved. We know what God's will is, that everybody will come to repentance. Everyone. Man, I thought I was just the elect. I thought it was just me. Yeah, as a, sorry, as a Calvinist joke, I'm sorry. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Okay, we do not lose heart. Think about those gnarly statistics of why people quit under a year or so. Why? Because they lost heart. Uh, losing, not losing heart is a choice. That's uh, tough, huh? Did uh, some premarital counseling just yesterday. You know, you heard the statistics. I supposedly statistics in secular careers is about two years, right? You should know, right? How long does the average career last until somebody changes jobs? Finds it about eighteen months. Okay, that that speaks a lot to our culture, right? People are looking for a new job about every eighteen months. Why? Because they're bored. They want something new. They're dissatisfied. I was doing a marriage uh, counseling yesterday, and then the couple's like, the, the, the gal's like, this guy has been with his company for eight years. That's not right. And he's like, but I'm just, I'm just, I'm faithful. I'm a faithful man. I'm like, like, honey, you need to listen to him. <laughs> like, he's willing to stay with his company because his company gave him a break when no one else would. And you know, he could easily, you know, jump ship and go somewhere else and get paid more. And she's literally saying, she's like, that's how you increase your income. You change your job every two weeks. That's how you get raises. You just change your job every two years. Every year. That's how you, that's how you grow. That's what the world tells you. But the kingdom tells you something else. You're faithful. You're consistent. And you, and you, you find a place where your roots grow deep, Right? Like this mentality of, of changing your careers every year or every two years or so. Like, I said, that's a mind virus. And we wonder why so many marriages end in divorce. I'm bored with my spouse. I want, I want the new model. It's not shiny anymore. I don't feel in love anymore. Uh, guess what? Uh, love is not a feeling. It's a choice. So longevity is all the way across the board. Therefore, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. No matter how old you are, inwardly you are being renewed day by day if you choose this life. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. If you're going through some hard times, you need to declare what that hard time is. That hard time is a light and momentary trouble. 
I know some of you are facing some very difficult things right now. You're facing heartache, financial ruin. despair, maybe even persecution. Relationship problems. I, I don't wanna I don't wanna just like dismiss what you're going through. I don't wanna just sweep it under the rug and say, eh, it's no big deal. But this is what the word of God says that it is. It is a light and momentary trouble. Achieving for us an eternal glory that out, far outweighs it all. So God's glory, His promises, is going to outweigh any problem that you could possibly face. For we fix our eyes on what is seen, but, for we do not fix our eyes on what is seen, but what is unseen. And since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Amen? Amen. All right, if I can get the band to come on up to the front. And if I could have the ushers come to the front, too. I'm going to receive a special offering. Your church has been here for a very long time. We have um, modeled longevity. We are an exception to the rule, if you listen to those statistics that I gave out. This is an exceptional church. We have done that Fall into Fun event for 30 years. We have done Living Nativity for 22 years now. Raise your hand if you came to the church because of Living Nativity. Uh, Joe, how many people did we feed yesterday? How many? A lot. That's pastor talk for a lot. And we have been feeding the poor for as long as the church has been in existence. We have seen not only transformation in the physical building, we have seen transformation, even more importantly, in people's lives. Like literally changing their eternal destination because of our dedication to what God's called us to do. Transformation and sticking your head up into heaven. And so I want to receive a special offering. And I'm calling it the longevity offering. And it's not for you. It's not for me. It is for our children's children to benefit from. When you give, do not give to receive in this moment. Now, there's lots of scripture. I can preach prosperity gospel to you from the Bible all day long, saying, what you reap, you'll sow. I, I, I can read some amazing scripture, like, you know, if you sow into this, then God's going to return to you a hundredfold, because God does, he said, God's not the God of addition. He's the God of multiplication. I can preach that to you all day long, and I can tell you God's going to give you more, but that's not what community does. You give to serve others. You give to advance the whole community. And I want to advance this community beyond this staff that has been here for years. And this will be an acorn in that. So let's plant an acorn today. Amen? God bless you as you give back to the Lord, as you plant something special. We're going to receive Holy Communion right now. I love what Jesus gave us. He gave us his whole being. Mind, body, soul, and spirit. Jesus is the most generous entity. He's our creator. He loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave. Let me give you 
a bit of practical take-home today as you receive the body of Christ. When you receive this little wafer, it's bread. I want you to picture this bread as a branch, as a leaf, as, as the body of Christ, as something that is getting stronger and stronger. When you're connected to the body, when you're connected to the vine, you get stronger. If you're feeling weak, if you're feeling perplexed, if you're feeling like you're in despair, you need to be a part of this body of Christ. It will give you strength. It will grow some bark on your skin. And when you receive this cup, the cup of the new covenant, um, this is going to be really difficult. I want you to imagine that you're not drinking the cheapest, nastiest grape juice on the planet. (laughs) You need to be drinking the finest of cabarets. Cabarets. (laughs) Cabernet. All right, how about a Zinfandel? (laughs) Regardless, you're drinking the finest aged, aged bottle of wine that's mature. And it has oaky undertones. And it's very earthy because those roots have gone gone deep. And it has been cultivated and brewed with the finest of spring waters. The blood of Jesus Christ is the finest thing that you'll ever drink because it washes away all of your sins. And it is the most happy drink that you'll ever drink. Body of Christ, receive it. Be a part of it. The blood of Christ that washes away all of your sins. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, church, you are a brand new creation. Grow strong. I want, you to, I want to encourage you. What does longevity mean to you? I want you to think about where you are in your growth process. Are you a mushroom? You know what happens to mushrooms. Are you a mushroom? Are you a sapling? Are you an adolescent tree? Or do you want to become an oak of righteousness? Firmly planted, planted and extremely secure. When even lightning strikes won't take you down. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will just bless us today. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to pray the prayer of blessing over you right now. And then after Sophia leads us in worship, feel free to leave. Our job as ministers, as pastors, and as, and as followers of Christ, our job, your job, is to be ambassadors for Christ. To represent Him and to represent Him. To do what He does. And in order for you to become an ambassador of Christ, you need to allow Jesus' face to shine upon you. You need to look at his face. It might be a little bit different for everybody, but you know, you know, when you're looking in Jesus' face. You know when you're looking in his face. Why? Because it lights up your whole being. And so the priestly blessing from Deuteronomy. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he turn towards you in your times of need. And may he fill your home with peace. The one who has called you, God is faithful. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Now, let's entertain God. Stand and let's let's sing to him. Oh, blood and tears, how can it be? There's a God who weeps, there's a God who bleeds, 
Hallelujah to the sun. 